The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. I'm dumb and we know that. I thought, you know, we'll play it by ear. I would said play it by year for forever. I was saying play it by year until last year. We're just going to go year to year. Yeah, just yeah. I, thought, I thought that makes sense. Year to year, I get it. Okay, yeah, it makes sense that one. Still makes more sense. I don't know. Play it by year, play it by year. I don't get it. Either way, I was wrong. And uh, that's me struggling with the English language as usual. What up, Polly Burmeister? He's back in the fold after... A month of it's being everywhere. Holy crap. It's been a summer being out and about. And thinking about what we heard in the intro, I was back in Southern California last week. Right. I was at a Rotary Club meeting, and someone gave me their card for the new business, and it was smoke and mirrors. And I'm like, it's smoking mirrors. You don't even know how to say it. You started a business. That's another one that I have butchered my whole life until this past year, too. Yeah. Did you get that shirt when you were out there as well? I did. I, did. I figured. It's a local. Uh, Everyday California is the brand. Okay. I guess we're both wearing black today. I, yeah, men in yeah. black over here today. And yes. I, I have something to add for you. I'm I was very... Not only okay. in California, I was back in the homeland in Iowa City. Okay. And after Kirk Ferentz was on, I think in the spring, I said, I got to get you some Iowa swag. Okay. So I was in the building. Damn. And I took care of that. You are the man. It's something you can actually wear. I appreciate that very much. And yeah. the top button will be buttoned. But yes. I'll, I'll sport some Iowa football. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. I can respect yeah. that, that program. You should be proud representing as an honorary Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I will. I Next definitely week. will. Next Tuesday when I'm back, let's both wear Iowa things. I'm not so sure about that. Calm, <laughs> calm down. Okay, calm down. But maybe I'll get you a Texas shirt at some point, Thank too. You. Yeah. And we'll call it even. All right. That sounds good. All right. So uh, what else? Everything else good in life? All good. It's yeah. nice to be back settling into football. Yeah. Been out doing some lacrosse, doing some other kind of travel stuff. But Being it, daddy daycare. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. Kids need to go back to school. Damn kids. Get right? back to school. I mean, yes. one hand, it's nice to have them around. On the other hand, it's like... Can next Tuesday get here any quicker? Yeah, right? is it? Yeah, I know it's coming up. Uh, thir- I think Thursday my kids are back, August 29th. Okay. So that'll be it'll be good. I know my wife is ready. She's had enough. I'm, okay? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But we got a good podcast today. Listen, there's no major breaking news to talk about right now. So we're, there's nothing we're going to get into that's breaking, uh, you know, anything yeah, prevalent. This preseason doing us no favors. Preseason's not doing any favors, certainly. I mean, the preseason, in, in my eyes, is, is almost a dead commodity as we continue to go here into the, into the future of the NFL just because you can see the good teams, they don't want to play their players. Uh, they don't want to show anything. The risk is not worth the reward to them. Just like the Rams, you're seeing the Jaguars, the Eagles, all these teams that we put, the Bears, we put in this Super Bowl conversation. They're all like, yeah, we'll just yeah. wait to the regular season. We're going to do it that way. Uh, I think the, the wave of the future is joint practices. Right. You just get more out of it. 
I, and I understand it. You can be safer. You can control the variables. It's a controlled environment. Exactly right. Yeah. Trust the coach. You talk about it. You can work on situational football a lot more. You know, you can go to a preseason football game and you go, oh, you know, the coach could go in the game and go, hey, man, if we get a few fourth and shorts, I'm going to go for it tonight because I'd like to see our line. And then you don't get one for three weeks. And you go, right. damn, I never got to right. really work on it. I never yeah. got to get into, get into that. So all those things can be done in joint practices. And, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to evaluate, harder to evaluate teams now in the preseason than ever before. Can evaluate some players, some young guys, maybe a few new free agents, things like that. But as a whole – there's just it's it's all over the place. No starters be, playing, nobody game planning. One team does game plan, the other right? does not, and it's just hard to gauge everything. I used to be a huge fan of the preseason. Did so much work during the draft and free agent season. It was a fun time to get to see everybody. Right. The preseason kind of had an ebb and flow to it. You knew that by the time you got to week three, most of the teams are going to play their starters, if exactly. not all of them, you, into the third quarter. Right. You get a feel for the scheme or what they're going to how they're going to attack you. You, can, you so can't do that anymore. So much has changed in the last ten years. No, I know. Um, and because of that, we're talking about stories here that are kind of the B side stories. B side stories. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, does anybody have albums anymore anyway? No. Do they know what the not. B side is? But you were old enough to have them at one point. I think I was the last generation of right. kids who went to the store and bought the little 33, I'm sorry, the 45s. Yes. The singles. Sure. Yeah, the 45s. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> because you are late 30s, correct? I am. I'll be 39 and, soon. And that was never part of your world. Never. I yeah. was total... Video cassette, right? That's the I mean, cassette, or, or the yeah. cassette player, the 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 you know the Walkman, the Walkman, exactly right. <laughs> then I got into the DVD, I mean the CD Walkman, which thank God we're done with that. I mean, I think about my times in college, cumbersome. Well, I'd have like this huge book of of uh, you know CDs in it, to, and I'd be like, oh man, I'd be flipping through pages at a red light. Where the hell is that song? So mm-hmm. it's so much easier Where'd now. Would you go with before a game? <sighs> I was usually some sort of rap motivation type of thing, yes. I mean, it depended on the year or whatever it was. But usually before a game, I was not, like, in the locker room listening to music. When I got in the locker room, I was kind of wanting to be in my own world, my own place. I didn't need the noise. I felt like, things, you know, you're a quarterback. You're going over things right. in your head a little bit. But, like, on the bus ride to the game, yeah, I, I was more times than not rap. Maybe some, sometimes some like hard-hitting classic rock. Maybe sometimes, but mostly rap. So B-side is what we're doing. B-side. Could also be referred to, I learned it as below the fold, but that's a newspaper reference, and we don't really have newspapers that much. No, we're at, we shouldn't. So we are basically addressing a series, a, a, a list of things here that aren't the headlines. Kind of some stories that we think you should be thinking about. That right. Little bits. Uh, off the beaten path, but very important to each team's camp. I, I, that's exactly right. You know, we, we, some teams we have boxed ourselves into one theme all the time, and we just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And, you know, I get sick of that. Uh, and I try to self-scout thyself, as I always say, <laughs> to where, yeah, let's get into some other really important aspects of that football team instead of just, oh, the quarterback this or the quarterback that or this receiver, and they're exciting. I mean, you know, that's where I think fantasy and that whole world has taken over and all of that. And just so everybody out there knows, just to change the subject, we are going to have Josh Norris on here in a few minutes, too. we got the big effort coming. My father will be talking. I have no idea where that's going. All right. I think 
think we're going to talk backup quarterbacks, but I'm not sure about that. And know. then we will get into some uh, some fantasy football with Josh Norris shortly after that. But yeah, right now we're going to get into some B-side stories, things that are important going around the NFL that are not maybe getting quite the uh, you know headlines or attention they should be. And let's start just up the road here with the Patriots. And it, it's fun to talk about the Brady Belichick thing and of course what's Tom going to do without Gronk. But you right. get beyond that and something that. Uh, people's attention should go to in that camp beyond the quarterback head coach and tight end who's not there. What do you find? I, I, I think that, yes, I mean, it's Gronkowski, it's Brady, it's Belichick. That's all you ever hear. You know, to me, the thing that goes unnoticed with the New England Patriots, and it drives me crazy sometimes, this is arguably the best secondary in football. I mean, it's certainly in the conversation. I, I know it's debatable maybe between Jacksonville and, you know, some other teams around the league, but – this is really what this is one of the key components to this football team over the last few years to where, hey, if the offense is sputtering and we only score, score 13 points in the Super Bowl, our hey. defense is good and can stop somebody to three. And not just any somebody, the right. team that scored the most points in the NFC. Exactly right. And, and, and again, I know the Kansas City Chiefs put up some points in that AFC championship game, but it was because of three or four plays. It was no consistency. It was just two great players making a play every now and then where the scheme just, you know, was overcome by Tyreek Hill speed or, or Mahomes' arm right. where they're just like, holy crap. But the Patriots secondary, when you just really break down, it's just about perfect. They can match up with any wide receiver skill set in, in, in the NFL. They have like a, like a starting five in, in basketball. They have guys that can match up with, oh, you got big receivers? Oh, okay. We got Joe Jawan Williams, who we just drafted in the first round, a 6-3 corner. You know, they got, they got, you know, oh, the jitterbug types? Okay. Uh, we got Jonathan Jones, who can take the slot receivers and follow them all over the, all over the field. Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, it's him or Jalen Ramsey for the best corners in football. It's an unbelievable group, let alone young guys like J.C. Jackson, who contributed the last half of the year last year, who has a chance to be a superstar in this league, and Devin McCourty, who is still one of the best safeties in football. And, you know, I just – and again, not that uh, Brady and Belichick and Gronk and all that don't – they deserve the attention, I understand that, but – so much of how they win football games is because of that defense and what they put on that secondary. Like I said, I don't think there's been a team in football the last three years that plays more man-to-man. What do they put on that secondary? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, th th first of all, they're, they're, some of their game plans are unique. Mm -hmm. I've said this in the past week. What they did against the Ch Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, that was a defensive game plan that has never been run in the history of the NFL. Never. What's the Cliff Notes version of that? What, they played man-to-man -man across the board, okay, and they doubled Tyree Kill with the free safety in the middle of the field every time. So they made it look like it was almost like a, you know, man coverage, single man high, right, type mm -hmm. of defense. But it was really man coverage, and that guy sitting in the center of the field, wherever Tyree Kill was, as soon as the snap happened, he went and doubled him with Jonathan Jones, and then they had Stephon Gilmore shutting out Sammy Watkins, and then J.C. Jackson, who's a big corner, taking on Travis Kelsey. But because they did single safety along with it, Paul, what they did there, too, is they got the bracket the back, right? So now you have two – so you got two guys, right? There's five eligibles, and you got three one-on-one matchups. You double Tyree Kill, right? So mm -hmm. that's the fourth eligible. 
And then the fifth guy is the back out of the backfield, where they would have two linebackers. Just as you know, like, you know, you would call it, um, you know, one bracket. You can call it a, a number of one things where the back comes out of the backfield. If he ran to the left, that linebacker takes right. him. If he runs to the right, the right linebacker takes him. But that was truly, I mean, I, I know it caught Kansas City by surprise, but it had, it had a, it, it's uh, truly an unseen thing. And I study film all the time. And I just, I just think that's one of these things that I look at and go, it's so impressive about their football team how Bill Belichick's built that aspect of it, let alone his ability to recognize the talents of these guys and who matches up with who on a week-to-week basis. And they're a special unit and a huge part of why they win football games uh, on a year-to-year basis. And that, that Kansas City example is just one, and it's unique for what they did that night. But it, as I'm listening to you yeah. and thinking back to what, I mean, at a smaller level, what gave guys like you and me a hard time, it had the two components that it can get any quarterback at any level. A defense shows you something you hadn't seen, exactly. you haven't seen, right. and that you didn't expect. That's number one. Right. And then number two, the defense that disguises that new plan very well. You spend so many series where you punt it away, you come over to the sideline, and between you, other guys in the offense you trust, and the coaches you trust, you have this thought of, what are they doing? Yes. And what I th- is that? And but by the time you figure it out, it might be late second quarter. It, was. it might be third quarter. It, it might be Monday. Uh, exactly right. I don't know if they figured it out really Still till late in the game. It. Right. Because they were going, the look of it was not, not normal to a double team look, let alone nobody. I mean, you're basically playing no safety in the middle of the field, even though he's there at the start of the snap. But then his attention goes to Tyree Kill. So then everybody that's playing man-to-man underneath had no help behind them. Right. And that, that to me was one of the magical things about their run last year. And just it's one of the things, again, that he's on another level. Bill Belichick, as far as how he builds a team and how he sees it and his DBs in a passing league. I'm going to match up with big receivers, small receivers, tight ends. It doesn't matter who you play every week. I got the guys to do that. Speaking of passing league, when you get to Baltimore, one of the few teams that's had success in the yeah. AFC against the Patriots in the postseason the last 10 to 12 years. All eyes go to Lamar Jackson. How right. is he going to be in year two? Right. And it, it's a fair question. Sure. When you think about this team with really high expectations and a great resume, how he does in year two as a starter is going to have a lot to do with how good they are. Yep. But once you get beyond the quarterback situation, where should the eyes go? I, I mean, uh, you know, it, and you, you said it, it's Lamar. Oh, what's this new offense that they're talking about? Right. That's all we ever talk about. Let's not forget the Ravens were one of the best defenses in football. Always. Right. And, yeah, they lost to Darius Smith in free agency and C.J. Mosley in free agency. Okay, those are big losses. But, damn, they are still phenomenal up front. Big bodies everywhere. One of the biggest front sevens in all of football. But the secondary, again, I know this is secondary back-to-back, but hear me out with this secondary that they got right now. I mean, first off, their safety tandem it's, it, you could argue it's a top in football with Tony Jefferson and Earl Thomas. I mean, it's phenomenal. They can do whatever they want. One can be the strong, one can be the free. They both can cover people man-to-man. They both can play center field and, and have great range in the back end, especially Earl Thomas. Earl looks really good, like he can still fly around. But then when you get into guys like Marlon Humphrey going into year three, who really came on last year, he's got a chance to be like a real shutdown corner. When Brandon Carr's your third corner, and then you got Jimmy Smith, who is going to be back in the fold and hopefully healthy here soon. But then it just continues to go on and on. They got young guys like Anthony Everett, who's from Alabama, who can really fly. They got a few guys that have size. But Tavon Young, who just got injured, that could be a, a little troublesome. Cyrus Jones at nickel, who the Patriots took. He's been getting a lot of time in the preseason. So, again, the, this is another team where – 
yeah, we all know it's quarterback, and I'm, I'm excited to see the offense too. But even if that sputters, this is a team that yeah, I don't care. I mean, maybe on a given week, but most weeks the defense is going to keep them in a lot of football games. You say offense sputters in Baltimore. It wouldn't be the first time. Exactly. And it's amazing. You go back the last 10 years, I think they've been below 500 one time. And how many times have they had an elite offense? I mean, Joe Flacco uh-huh. really had them going when they won the Super Bowl. Right. And they've toggled between okay and pretty good for exactly. a while. Right. But the defense has carried this, this team this to – This franchise – for, for a long, long time. For, for quite a while. It really is. In Dallas. Yes. I understand the whole, like, the sexiness of the Zeke Elliott contract. Right, and, right. and that, as soon as you exhaust that, you get into the, well, Dak Prescott's Dak's next toe, right. And about Amari yeah. Cooper. So right. that whole package of conversations with the Cowboys makes sense. Yeah. But I, like a lot of other people, a little bit tired of being stuck there with the Cowboys. Sure, right. Where can we go next? Yeah, I, I think, okay, and this is less of a positive thing of the other two teams we talked about. And, and yeah, you're right. All the attention is those three guys and how are they going to keep them all and can they pay them all. Hey, uh, my biggest concern with the Cowboys right now, because Dak Prescott's there right now and Amari Cooper's there. Zeke's the only one not. And, hey, Zeke's hard to replace. But I have a huge fucking question mark <laughs> about Kellen Moore. I do, and that's no disrespect to Kellen Moore, the human being. I know he's a great guy, and he works hard at what he does, but here we are talking about all of these things, and I want to go, okay, Kellen Moore, he comes out of Boise State. He goes to the Detroit Lions, right? You know whose offensive coordinator was there? Scott Linehan. Scott Linehan. So then he's there. He has one year, I believe, uh, I'm missing with one guy in Detroit. I can't remember. In his last year in Detroit, I can't remember. I'm blanking on the name. I'll get to it in a second. Either way, he then goes, his career's over playing. He goes to Dallas and goes and works for Scott Linehan. So what does he know that Scott Linehan didn't know that was there prior? And he was a player in Dallas as a backup for for a while. Yes, and stats just saved me there. Joe Lombardi was the name I wanted to come up. He was there one year in Detroit. It didn't really work out, right? So my big thing there is, Yes, we can talk about the contracts and the stars and the Zeke thing and all of that. But even if Zeke's there, there's going to be a handful of games during the year where the the run game is not going to dominate the other team. And you're going to have to rely on, man, can the Cowboys drop back and dissect people in the pass game? And, you know, it's preseason, so I'm not judging harshly yet, right? Because we're not seeing. I don't know what the total picture is going to look like. But I can tell you that I have huge concerns about it. I really do. Yeah, not, one, he's never called plays. Two, he's unproven. And three, he doesn't have a vast uh, group of people that he's learned from. In his background of right, coaching. Right, yeah. to pull ideas. You know, yeah. most really good brains have been with other good brains in football to go, ooh, I like what he did, so I'm going to steal this. Hey, Sean McVay, he was with John Gruden. He went, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, I like all this John Gruden. Then he went with Mike Shanahan, and oh, shit, Mike Shanahan. And then Kyle was the OC, and he, oh, God, I'll take from Kyle, right. and now I'll make my own concoction. And that's really how it almost works with just about every successful coach in football. Sean Payton, want to go through that? Worked with John Gruden, worked with Bill Parcells, had all these people, these different avenues of thinking and ideas and right. schemes to where he could put it all together. That's my big question mark about the Dallas Cowboys. I know the players are good. They're, they're going to be a very good football team in a lot of ways. My big thing is when they have to play other good football teams and they can't just physically dominate you, right. are they going to be able to do enough in the pass game, creative enough, move enough people? And that's a big unknown for me. Since the, the theme of this entire discussion here is B-side, like yeah. the next arguments here or the, the next discussions here after the headlines, 
I'm going to take the B side of the Kellen Moore thing, and everything you said makes perfect sense. Right. Like I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. And his his resume, people he's learned from, is not that vast, and he isn't that old. Let's start though at, at Boise State. Yeah. Dirk Cutter started that system. They were doing some things offensively. Definitely. That a lot of other teams weren't. He started for four years. Sure. So. I think he gained some pretty good knowledge there. That's fair. He has some experience playing, and granted, it's college, but right. being under center making decisions that a lot of quarterbacks didn't have when they got to the NFL. Definitely. Uh, I think he's precocious in terms of how he approaches the game. Yep. I think his mind and his anticipation were the only reason that he excelled at Boise no State. No question, only right. The only reason he stuck around in the NFL where right. a lot of people thought he wouldn't. And isn't there something to be said for, okay, he doesn't have the resume, doesn't have the experience of pick an offensive coordinator who's in his 40s, 50s, or 60s. Yeah. Maybe the players will look at him and relate to him differently Monday through Friday because he was just on the field. Maybe he can make up for some of that because of this relationship he could have with Dak. Sure. They were teammates before yes. they were right. play caller and quarterback. Right. So you bring up great points. Yeah. I'm just thinking of ways maybe he can overcome that. I, I hope and I you're right. I do think he has some parts of his resume that could lead you to believe that he could overcome. I, I hope you're right. I do. It's just, a, it's just a question mark. I hope Jason Garrett gets involved in it, too. I'm rooting for the Cowboys. I like Jason right. Garrett. I like a lot of the guys on that team. I root for Dak Prescott. But, yes, the, my question still remains. And that, you're right. That's good pushback. I understand. Those are valid points, too. And hopefully he can steal some stuff from Dirk Cutter and his years there and just his experience on the field, what works, what doesn't work what makes a quarterback feel comfortable, what doesn't. Right. Sometimes you don't have to be a magician as an OC. It can come down to just how you sequence your plays, right? right. How you set it up, how you call the game. It doesn't always have to be like, whoa, look at these formations and these concepts. Some of the best offenses ever are simple, but they just have a formula that works, and, and uh, I'm, I'm rooting for that to happen for him. And he's handpicked by the head coach, Jason Garrett, who I think he called plays until 2013, so yeah. he's got some experience he can share with him while he also steps back at times and just Hopefully. overlooks. Yep. 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play well, hasn't played well in the preseason yet, no. coming off an injury, uh, his relationship with, with Kyle Shanahan. Let's get beyond the Jimmy Garoppolo story right. in San Francisco and get to something else that matters. Yeah, I, I think my big concern, and I like a lot of the things on the 49ers roster. And ultimately, I guess right where I'm sitting right now, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be okay. I do. I'm not, I, you know, I, I don't know where it's all going to go. I'm not saying he's going hit to the, hit the, the first week of the season at MVP form or anything like that. But I'm not... Like, I still have enough faith in him and Shanahan and some of the weapons they have around him that it can make it work. My big thing with the 49ers is they have health and injury concerns the last few years that I think are worth talking about. And I don't necessarily always like going this route because sometimes you just get unlucky. There are more there and more often it, recently. It certainly seems it. I mean, yeah. hey, we can start first off at the running back position. Okay. Brita's had injury history. Okay. Um, uh, Tevin Coleman's had a number of times where he's been banged up throughout his career. Okay, Dante Pettis, their second-year second receiver who performed well for them last year, he got hurt, so he's battling back from injury. You sign Quan Alexander and give him a lot of money, he's coming off an ACL tear and has a PED history. That's always scary to me. Scary to me. D Ford has another injury history, hasn't been able to do a lot this, this training camp as well. Out of the fact, the other side of the D-line is Nick Bosa, and he's been a walking injury question himself. Then you get into Richard Sherman, okay, who's was great. I mean, not great. I'm not going to say great, but he played healthy and at least 
he's coming off an Achilles tear two years from now at an age where that gets scary, but I'm not totally concerned about him. But guys like Jaquiski Tart, who have been hurt a lot through their career, Jimmy Ward, who they, who they ask uh, a lot of in the secondary, he's been hurt a lot. They got high hopes for Jason Verrett, who was a first-rounder from the Chargers for a few years ago. He's been nothing but a walking injury. So this team has great potential, but damn, with some of these guys we're talking about, we could get to week three or week four and go, half it. the team's gone and we're, they're in deep shit. That's a long That's list. That's a long Everybody's list. Everybody's got a couple. Right. I mean, I, I think you almost hit double digits. I, it's very close, and it's not like it's like, you know, the backup defense end or the backup, you know, tackle. It's like these are like they need to contribute this group right here. Right. And we didn't even mention Jimmy Garoppolo, who's coming off injury. Right. Right. So that that's my number one concern. Is what we can talk about Garoppolo and how he's going to look and can he justify his contract. That would just be another concern for me just from the outside looking in about the 49ers. Yeah, a lot of those injury concerns on defense, and they got to worry about Kyler Murray. Yeah. And Russell Wilson. Right. And everything they're doing. And the Rams. And the Rams and Jared right. Goff. Right. So uh, what a downer there for the 49ers. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, fans. my friend Kyle Shanahan. I didn't mean to be Debbie Downer. For all Giants fans yeah. wanting to, to take their attention from the quarterback situation, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, and divert it somewhere else. Right. At least for a few minutes, if not for a couple days. What advice do you have for them? I, I, I think the thing I've been impressed with more than anything with the Giants, and hey, Daniel Jones, it's been great. Eli looks great. And that's all we ever talk about with the Giants. Or we talk about how they're going to replace Odell. Both right? better than expected. That's a great story. It is. It's a great yeah. story. It is. So and far. I understand people lo- le- uh, you know, locking onto that. But the thing that has really popped to me about the New York Giants through the first two weeks of the preseason and I think this is something I can evaluate a little bit. One of the few things I've been able to really evaluate through the preseason. They're going to be a beast up front. The Giants are not going to be pushed around. Think about what a change that is. I know. I know. First off, Pat Shermer's an O-line guy. Mm-hmm. Gettleman believes in big people. Okay? They get, you know, they get a, a, a guy like um, Kevin Zeitler at guard, who is still a phenomenal football player. You know, so now you got Hernandez. Will Hernandez a left guard. Jalapio at center, who's pretty good. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Zeitler at right guard. You got Remmers at right tackle, who I'm not sitting here saying is like a franchise guy, but he's good. And then you got Nate Solder on the left, who, yeah, okay, he's overpaid, but he's still good. Okay, you got that with Shermer and his ability to scheme people and run. And the play-action pass that we've already seen in the preseason with Daniel Jones has hit a number of big plays off of. It's going to be a deadly combination added to the fact that their defensive front, Paul, it's one of the biggest in football. They're going to be... How big? I mean, they got three guys on the defensive line. You know, they're a 3-4 hybrid type of team. If you go B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, you're almost at 1,000 pounds right there with those three guys. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson's around 315. B.J. Hill's around 315. And then big Dexter Lawrence, who's been the best rookie defensive lineman so far, is at 345. He's a huge man. And then you got guys like Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia, who's a huge outside linebacker. He's basically like a big defense end. He's about 265, 260 right in that range. The other side is Kareem Martin, who's a long, praying mantis-type outside linebacker who's, I don't know what Kareem is. Let me just look. I'll tell you. But he's got to be 6'4", 260-something around there, 6'6", 272. Okay? So, damn, he's bigger than I thought he was. I just look at that and go – when you have that, just like we talked about with Baltimore a little bit, nobody's going to just steamroll you because 
as you know, playing football, and as anybody knows out there, when you can win the battle in the trenches or at least battle to a stalemate, you're going to have chances to win football games. Yes. Yeah. And they're going to match up with teams like the Dallas Cowboys week one, and Dallas is going to go, whether Zeke's back or not, they're going to go, holy shit, yeah. I can't move this group. Yeah. I hope our passing game can work. I hope Kellen Moore can draw up some good crap, <laughs> right? bringing that back together. But uh, it's just something that, yes, not a lot of people are talking about, but it just through my evaluation so far has really jumped out to me about the Giants. Well, just listening to you talk about the Giants, I'm kind of taking it beyond just this B-side below the fold argument and advancing it. As you praise the Giants in those two very important areas, offensive line, defensive line, how much better they're going to be. Yeah. If Saquon Barkley takes the expected next step, if Eli slash Daniel Jones a little bit better right. than expected. Right. Best team in the NFC East? Best team in the NFC East? No. Yeah. Not going there. I'm not going to give them the edge over the Eagles yet. How do I catch you in this wave of enthusiasm? Yeah, no, I'm really enthused. Praising the Lions. No, I don't look as the Giants as a playoff team. I'm not going to lie to you there, but I think they're a team that can be a real pain in the butt for people. And might surprise people that they're still in the conversation late November. If they matter in December, that's, that's I a think win. It's a win. That's a exactly win. Exactly right. Yeah. I'm with you there all the way. Let's go to Cleveland. Definitely the connection there with the OBJ trade. If, if I take a list of Browns headlines and from, from Baker Mayfield, everything Baker Mayfield, to right. OBJ, to all the star power, to the fact that they might be playing in January, I push all that off the list. What's your next topic? You said it. It's the star power on both sides of the ball, right? I mean, you know, you even get the defense. Everybody, oh, Miles Garrett. It's Sheldon Richardson. Olivier Vernon. Got Greedy Williams in the second round. Denzel Ward was amazing last year at corner. My, I have one question about this football team, and nobody's really talked about it. That's their offensive line. And I'm not necessarily – I'm not going to say I'm worried, but it's, it's an unproven commodity. And they gave up Zeitler. They gave up Zeitler. They got a guy like Greg Robinson who came in and did some good work for them at left tackle. I mean, up until last year, was considered a bust. He mm-hmm. was the number two pick in the draft for the Rams at one point. So I look at that and go, that is going to be something I'm looking at early on in the year. Because I'm not worried about Odell and Baker and Jarvis Landry and David Joku and the other studs we mentioned on right. defense. That's going to be fine. I'm worried about, are they going to protect Odell? I mean, uh, Baker, are they going to open up lanes for Nick Chubb, who's a budding superstar at the running back position? Those are really the big questions to me about that offense. There are just some unproven commodities there that, you know, I got to see them line up against the Rams defense and the Jets defense and, and deal with blitz pickups and things like that to where I go, okay, the Browns are definitely for real. Uh, that's my one last little piece of the puzzle that I need to see. Let me make sure I get Dad. My dad, just text him just so he knows because he's. It's we're eight. We're eight minutes late. Yep. <laughs> okay, they're calling him. We have one more, right? Or how many? We more? do. Yeah. The right, Packers cool. and with a, a nod of respect to the Canadian tuxedo that Aaron Rodgers had on yesterday. Did you see it? Oh yes, strong. I did. That was great. Straight was strong. With the mustache, looked it, it ugly looked great. strong. Okay, that's <laughs> what that was. That was ugly strong. But when you're an Aaron Rodgers, you can pull that crap off. If you can pull the attention away from all things Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense and look at the defense for a moment, what's happening there? Yeah, I, I think that yeah, well, all we talk about is Lafleur, Rodgers, Rodgers, Lafleur. Oh, the audibles. Can they audible? Can they coexist? Yeah. yeah. Can Aaron Rodgers be coached or is ego going to take over? And Like, shut up with all that crap. I'm so sick of it. But the one thing everybody's missing is this is a defense this year that has a chance to be 
uh, I'll, I'll go as far as saying they have a chance to be a top five defense in football. Wow. Yeah, at the very – It'd be a massive step up. A massive step up. At the very worst, a top ten defense. I really do look at it that way. And we saw little improvements from them, them last year where they were 18th in football uh, last year on the defensive side of the ball. But when you talk about – my the guy Darnell Savage, who mm-hmm. we talked about in the pre-draft process, who everybody's raved about. Aaron Rodgers raved about him to me in person. Okay, Adrian Amos at safety. Um, then you get over to Jair Alexander, one of the great young corners in the sport right now. They got a kid number 28, um, undrafted. I'm th- I'm Anthony Brown on their roster, who's undrafted out of Alabama, ran one of the fastest times at the combine two years ago. He's playing corner in the nickel spot with uh, Tremont Williams going inside the nickel. But then Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary added to the mix, okay, with Kenny Clark on the inside and a bunch of other good players where I go, hey, this is the first time in a while Aaron Rodgers might not have to, you know, be 24 for 30 for 300 yards and three touchdowns for them to win every game. He might have some weeks where he can go 20 for 40. And still win. And still win. And if you take a close look at that defense, there's so much young talent that you mentioned from the drafts. Back to 2016, they went out and spent money in the free agency. For the first time ever, really. A couple of different ways. But in addition to that, from first-round picks, and they have three of them from the last two years, to second to sixth, they've got so much young talent from 2016 on that came from their own draft, and they've got a new defensive coordinator in Mike Pettin. So yes, young yes. talent, new thinking around there. I'm, I'm on board. I, I think so. I mean, all we talk about is that offense and Rodgers, but I'm, I'm excited about their full team for the first time, and and really about six or seven years. You excited about your dad? Uh, he's kind of overrated, kind of overrated, but we'll bring him on the pod no matter what. See there? Did he hang up on us? No, I'm here. Oh, hey, hey, Phil. oh, hey. Yeah, I've been yeah. listening to you two knuckleheads for five minutes. I'm like, Jesus Good. Christ, sooner or later, bring me in. Hey, Good. Nah, we had to finish our – we were doing a little thing called B-side, right? Like stories that are not getting enough notice to some teams around oh, the NFL. Oh, well, let's see. Um, Phil knows about that, that There's about 100 of them, but let's don't get into them. Let's talk about uh, what Baker Mayfield said in GQ for seven hours. <laughs> What's and your what favorite B-side? What do you think B-side? his motivation was? What do you think? How's Daniel Jones going to feel about it? You know what? You, you did learn that from me. I just heard you go into your other person. Oh, of course. Uh, he has yeah, two others now. Is Matt LaFleur and Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Yes, <laughs> no, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, they're going to let him ever audible. No, no, they won't do that <laughs> because it's, oh, come on. You know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm part of it. And, and I'm a dummy a lot of times, but damn, there's some dumb people that talk sports all the time on the radio, and I listen and watch. And all I do is I write notes and go on, okay, I'll make sure I don't say this, or I'm going to make fun of this, or whatever. And I'm sure some people do it to me. I don't care. But, um, you know, I'm not, but, well, that's just my opinion, you know. I, I hope it's just more than my opinion. I think most of the times when I talk about players, teams, I think I'm giving more facts than opinions. Right. So, you know, so everybody there can just take it and do what they want with it. Okay, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Great to talk to you on a Thursday. (laughs) Yes. And then, you know, listen, Paul, how are you? I'm good, Phil. I was going to ask you, it's been months since you came on the podcast the same day as me. Is there something I should know about here? Well, it just means Christopher's just a bad organizer and a (laughs) guy getting it together. So, I don't know. It's not me. (laughs) You know? I'm still waiting to check from NBC from doing all these damn podcasts. <laughs> Should I keep waiting? Yeah, keep yeah, waiting. It's going to yeah. my house, so don't you worry. No, it's it's, all, right. it's all in the family, yeah, Dad, okay. all in the family. Well, the one thing I know about Christopher, he doesn't share crap.
So, <laughs> but, you, you know, that was great about Green Bay's defense. Paul, I will say this, though. For years, they've been drafting, it seems like, so many defensive players. Yep. I think, okay, and uh, I don't know. Of course, it just, I'm just – it just seems like they've drafted 20 defensive backs in the last three years. Right. And, and, and half of them are in the two deep. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and it's finally some of those draft picks are coming through for them. Just like, uh, Christopher, you talked about Jair Alexander. Right. I mean, in Louisville. I remember watching him going, oh, my gosh, this guy is ruthless, uh, aggressive, understands football. Right. And he's so quick and fast that he can get beat and still not get beat. Right, and, right. And he, I thought at times last year he was tremendous. Now, he got hurt last year too, right? Yeah, he did. He was hurt early on, so he didn't really get to get into full flow maybe till week four or five, and that's when he really started to kind of blossom from there on out. Yeah, that, and I'm getting a really big kick out of the fact. I know Darnell Savage, I just remember watching him. What an athlete and, you know, very impressive. Rashawn Gary, I just happened to look, and I see they they have him written down as a linebacker. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a linebacker, all right. Yeah, uh, you know, two hundred and seventy-five pound linebacker. But of course, and of course, Christopher and Paul, we know him well from up here, and I actually watched film on him in high school. Right. Because he played at Paramus Catholic, and schools up here, when they would play Paramus Catholic, because the, their defense was loaded with major college players and future pros, which has turned out to be. Jabril Peppers being one of them. Well, Peppers, and then they had the number one linebacker in the country, but he, he had some injuries or whatever. I think he transferred out of, oh, he left Michigan. He's back at Rutgers. I want to say Singletary, whatever. But the story is you had to decide who you're going to play at quarterback because they were going to knock him out. Right. And. For real, like, okay, we can't play our quarterback, our backup, or this or that, because if he's in there, they're going to run him over. Then what are we going to do? And so they actually had to put bigger, tough, not tougher, but just bigger, stronger people because they were really incredible looking in high school. So just seeing Rashawn Gary at linebacker, or listed as a linebacker, hmm. I thought he was tremendous at Michigan. His hustle is was awesome. Yep. The body type fits the NFL. He looks like one of those guys that nothing's ever going to hurt him. He's not going to deal with injuries. And, you know, that's just a guess. But certain body types, to me, just seem to never get hurt. Yeah, he's that's one of right. Those guys. He does. He's like, he's, like rubber band. he's like a rubber band. He can put yeah, himself in a lot of too, crazy you, positions. You, you, the other thing you brought up, yeah. I'm really interested to see Mike Pettin. I think Mike Pettin is a really good coach. I agree. And, you know, oh, they're winning in Cleveland. But, you know, I, I'm, here I'm doing you, Christopher. Paul, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's really but you. So he's ahead. winning in Cleveland. Yeah. The team is doing fine, but we want to see Johnny Manziel. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's all everybody talked about. Right. I think we did a Thursday night game, Cleveland at Cincinnati. Uh, I can't remember – Hoyer, if he started, whatever. I did so many of those games where everybody was always crying for another quarterback, and Brian Hoyer, well, all he's doing is playing pretty well and winning games, but that's not good enough. We want Johnny Manziel. And I love all the guys on TV that know it all, and they say, well, if I had known Johnny Manziel had these problems, well, where were you? Under a rock? 
you know, so things like that bother me. Yeah, so I, I, I get you. Well, that's why I'm your son, and I, I usually address those things. So it's, it, fit, <laughs> okay. it fits hand in hand. All right. Oh, uh, well, well, what else is going on? Well, is there anything you want to spout off about? Because I know you, you, I mean, I never. Yeah, well, first off, I want to complain about it. I got to do this damn podcast every week with you. Okay. So that's one. How's that? that? That's good. That's fine. We don't really care about that one, so we'll gloss right over that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but no, but I'm actually really interested in, you know, Green Bay, Matt LaFleur being a head coach. Yeah, he went from quarterback coach, coordinator, head coach in three years. Yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting, and uh, I just want to see how that works out. I always worry about certain teams when you know. I know it worked for the Rams, and they did it last year. Played nobody in preseason and everything like that. But that still bothers me for some teams. Right, it kind of bothers me a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, at least they played. You know, Dak Prescott in the game the other day and got him going and stuff like that. So that was better. And, you know, I think the one thing you and I talked about and Paul that Christopher and I were talking about just randomly the other day that it just, I don't know, maybe this year it hit me more than ever just looking through teams that some teams drafted a running back, most teams did, some a lot. I don't even know the numbers, not going to look, don't care. It just seems like a lot of teams drafted two. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're just going to load it up back there because you truly can get a free agent running back and you don't have gold. And and, and we saw it with Philip Lindsay last year. And I don't know what Chris Carson from Seattle, where he was drafted or what. What was he? He's, a, I think, a seventh rounder. Late. Was he? Yeah. I don't care. If yeah. he was a second rounder, he plays like a high first rounder. Right. And, you know, just watching him in the preseason game tonight, I just went, look at him. Yes. I mean, he's, he's Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott put together. Right. Right. And, and, and I'm. And I like the um, John Little Blank, the running back from San Diego, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, right? Yeah, I liked him coming out. Yeah. But when he comes on the field, he doesn't look like even close to the same as Chris Carson as a running back. I'm with you. I'm a little underwhelmed. I had high hopes for him, but so far, I'm. Uh, I'm I don't know if I'm going to be right about that one. I mean, well, you know I, what happened? Yeah. Here's what happened. He looked great. All the things, the moves, everything about him. But San Diego, the University of San Diego, what is what are they called? San Diego State. San Diego State. Yeah. Uh, I, I was getting San Diego where Josh Johnson played. But San Diego State, they were an unbelievable run team with an incredible run scheme, and their offensive line blocked. I, I don't know who was in charge of the offense or the offensive line, but they were incredible. And so they created little lanes, and he took advantage of it. But it hasn't, of course, I'm disappointed, too. I thought he was a first-round running back. Right. And uh, it, it definitely doesn't look like that so far in the NFL. Okay, I want to ask you one thing, because I know you and I have talked about this a little bit over the last two weeks. And this is something that bothers me. There's, there's some teams, I think, that have some troubling backup quarterback situations. Okay, well, where, who are you going to start with? Well, that's what – all right, so I'm going to name all the teams that concern me, Okay. And then you just tell me the ones that jump out to you. Okay, I'm going to throw out eight teams here real quick. Wow. And maybe some of them aren't even worth talking about. Like, okay, the Lions. Of course, I'm a little concerned there. The Cowboys, the Bears, the Panthers, the Steelers, the Jags. And then I got a question mark next to the Packers and Falcons where I'm kind of like, eh, it's not horrible, but I'm not sure I'm sold on it. So which one of those are two 
really jump out to you? Because, you know, I look at the Bears, the Steelers, and the Panthers especially, and the Jags, where I would go, those are upper echelons teams to me right now as far as the future of the NFL this coming year. And I go, if their starters get hurt, they're done. They're just, I don't see how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's that big of a drop-off. Uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, or what, what, what are your no, thoughts I, on I it? I like what you're saying. I think right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's Joshua Dobbs. Yes. And um, I, 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 you know, just being honest, I wasn't crazy about him coming out of college. I said, okay, he's a pretty good athlete. I really don't think he's an NFL, you know, starting thrower. I'm not going to say he's – well, whatever. That, that was my thought. Yeah. And I, it was really, really terrible when he played his first preseason yes. games. But this year, throwing it much better, better presence, and it would give me a little more hope, much more hope than, than I had before. Of course, Chicago would worry me. Chase Daniels, yes, he's going to be great in preseason. Right. Uh, but, Always you know, is. I saw him play those two games last year. And especially outdoors, you have to worry a lot. You have a Super Bowl team, and if you have to go on the road, maybe in, well, hey, what do I mean go on the road? Play in Chicago yeah. or anywhere else that I think it's, it, the situation's not perfect, he's going to struggle. Right. It's, it's, it's just plain and simple. So those two, and of course, I'm trying to think of all the teams that bother me. Uh, of course, the Giants are in a good situation. Either the Panthers and Jags were. Well, the hurts. Panthers, I don't know who's going to be the backup. The Detroit Lions. That's a problem. If you don't know who it's going to be, to well, me, that's that true. says and it's I a problem. I don't know quarterback. I think the backup quarterback right now, Tom Savage hurt in Detroit. Yeah. David Fells. Right. Well, you know, that's and, – and, and Josh Johnson is there now, of course. I saw that. I mean, that man is – It's amazing, right? He, he's everywhere. He is. But who was the other team you said before I said Detroit? Well, the Jaguars. I mean, if Nick Fall, if Nick Foles gets hurt, I just go – What's Gardner Minshew, it looks yeah, like right exactly, now. right. And I just – you know, again, I, I'm not saying he can't be anything down the line, but we're talking about a rookie, and I just I, – I don't see how it's that works. It's an unbelievable drop just in resume you, with, with what Nick Foles has done. Yes. And then this is a Mike Leach quarterback. Right. I mean, and there's been so many that were terrific in college that haven't made it in the NFL. So that's what you go to from a Super Bowl MVP to someone who played at Washington State. Right. Well, yes. Uh, listen, I've watched his preseason games. Look, of course, he knows how to play the position. And all, they get to throw the ball every down of every practice and every game of his year up in Washington State. That helped. That You can see that in it. But there is, you know, Paul, let me ask you, yep. what is his redeeming physical quality that's going to make him successful in the NFL? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a what great is point. It, Paul? Right. I don't know what it is. I mean, he, he obviously, to be at the places he was in college and to excel at Washington State, he's probably pretty smart probably pretty accurate, but you talk about a physical quality to play anywhere when it's not perfect, like you mentioned. I don't know what that is. Well, because no, that, that you, you answered the question. There is not one. His right. redeeming quality is, of course, his experience, but his brain. You know, you can see that he knows how to play. The one thing they do with Mike Leach, his quarterbacks go through reads really fast. Uh, they dump the ball off a lot, so they're, they're great at that. Uh, Gardner did it. Luke Falk did it. You know, they read, read, quick, boom, right. dump. Right. Do you put and anything on the fact, Phil, that there's so many from Cliff Kingsbury to Graham Harrell uh, to Luke Falk, now to Minshew, that were excellent in college week to week but have never really made it to the NFL? Does that 
Does that matter to you at all when you think about if he can do it in the NFL, that there's been guys like him in the past that haven't done it? No, I judge just the guy for that year, and they, they all can be different. So I don't ever buy into the fact, oh, Alabama quarterbacks don't succeed in the NFL, so I don't think I'll draft. No, uh, there's there's going to be a guy. That's, that's what everybody have. thought about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I had yeah. arguments oh, yeah, with, yeah, oh, he's right. at Texas Tech. Uh, right. yeah. Kingsbury started to see talent, at least, whereas right. some of these other, you know, what what the hell they call that offense, Red Raider. What the hell the hell is that? Air Raid. Air Raid. Yeah. Air Raid. At least Kingsbury at A&M recruited guys like Manziel and Kyler Murray. Okay, and then had Baker Mayfield at Texas Tech and right. Mahomes. So at least he sees talent. And the, these other guys that have co- coached this air raid, is, it's all been, you know, made-up crap. It's just well, really yeah, just what it get is. rid of the ball. Right. We're going to formation you. We're just going to go yep. fast and then this and that. And, look, not to demean any quarterbacks, but guys that had great college careers and people – you know, they hype them because they, oh, they they win. Oh, my God. I, you know, that drives me crazy. Yeah. You know, you, you and the great, now we don't have to hear it much anymore. Oh, Patrick Mahomes, how'd it go? How's he doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, okay. Let's go on to another subject there, mister. And and, and uh, that that does it. But think of Matt Leinert. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Tim not Tebow. Him, uh, yeah. But when you drafted him, what? What what was it? Yeah, oh, they won national championships, and it was great. Look who played with him. Right. I, I would venture to say everybody that was on that team, on that offense, almost everyone was drafted in the NFL and had somewhat moderate success. Right. Pete Carroll had to chase guys out that were starters because he had to play the backup. Right. Okay. Oh, man, we, you, you got to come out. I yeah. got to play the other guy. He's really good, and you know you're you'll be fine. You'll be drafted high. You got to go. Yeah. I mean it's and and the same with with the Florida Gators. Go right. back and look at that offense and who was on that line and who the receivers and running backs were when Tim Tebow was there. Aaron was, Hernandez, Percy Harvin, Rainey, Lewis Murphy, the 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 white uh, you know receiver who said the racist comment for the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles, Riley Cooper. Riley Cooper, Riley right? Cooper. I mean, you can go on and on, and the oh, whole team on, is in wait. the NFL. There was another one. There was another Olympic sprinter back there with Rainey. I forgot who that Perc- was. Oh, I said Percy Harvin. Maybe you didn't hear me say that. Yeah, no, I heard. No, it was somebody else. There, there was. Yeah, there, there might have been three. Well, yeah, it was, there was three. three. Might have yeah. been four. I, and, and who knows? And it was, oh wait! Oh wait! The offensive line. Oh yeah, the Pouncey brothers. Yes. Oh, they're no good. <laughs> right. Marcus Gilbert. Oh yeah, you know he's. Oh he he wasn't as good because he went in the second round instead of the first. Was Max right. Starks there. Yeah. Uh, yes, he was. He might have been. That? He said Max, Max Starks. Starks. He might have been before then though. Okay. I got I got to look at when he I was. I think he probably was. Right. Right. But the, you you kind of get the point, right. and you, you know it just it, it's as we judge, and I we try to be fair, but I said this to my son, and Paul, I'll say it to you, when I watch players. Especially quarterbacks, because you know, oh, what's his one loss record? Yeah, mine was great at Moorhead. We were a powerhouse. We, were, you know, we had a year. We won three games. It was awesome. Best right. year of my career. Right. But just judge the person. And I say this, and I mean it. I did it again this year, which I didn't study him as hard this year as before, because I do think there's a little more to right now besides just the physical quality. I want him. But really, do you really know how to play? Right. Have they polished you up as a as a quarterback? That's what we're concerned with. Point or example of what you're trying to say. 
Drew Locke to maybe Daniel Jones? Mm-hmm. There's no question. They're right. not even the same league. Daniel Jones is so far above Drew Locke right now and just knowing how to play. Exactly. And that is just because, not because of who's smart and who's not, it's because of the systems they played in and how they were taught. Right. right. And, you know, the old, well, we how about Kyler Murray? And, and not saying anything, but now he can't do the fake clap and claps and all that stuff. You know, that's outlawed, I guess, right. or whatever. Yeah. That's, so that kind of changes it. But, um, but I go back to my point. When I watch them play, I don't know the score. I don't know their numbers. I'll look at their numbers later. Uh, I don't know if they win or lose the games I'm watching. I don't care. I'm just watching the one player. Right. Play by play. Is he doing the right thing? Is he making yes. the right read? Ooh, that's a wow. That's an impressive physical play. That's all you can do. Yes, and then and of course the the other thing, you don't get to know who they are as people, which is a big deal, and you don't get to know what they're teaching them in the system. Right. Right. Like, I'll give you an example. Some teams teach read high to low. Well, you know, there's a lot of teams that teach the opposite, read low to high. Yes. Go to the short guy quick. Right. Get that five yards. Mm-hmm. But, oh, shoot, there was a 20-yard. It's okay. Just right. get the five-yard. So that, that happens, too. And, and the last, the, mo- the most one important thing, personality, leadership, those, we can't learn that by watching film. Right. And. A good example, the greatest example, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Oh, you know, no matter what you thought about him in college, doesn't matter. He is a leader of men, yes. and it's easy for him. Right. And he will keep the troops under control. Yep. Because they respect him. And then the most important thing, too, Paul, your next quarterback, Christopher Me, is your relationships. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of work the room in a way to make sure that? You know, you, you're doing the right thing because you being a quarterback holds a lot of power. And to be able to influence other players in many, many ways, if you do that, of course, that you, you can't measure that. But people that scout and whatever, I think they can find these things out about these quarterbacks coming out. Yeah, definitely. It's the hardest thing about our job right now is not getting to see some of these guys personally, talk to them, get them on a board, and see what they them. talk about. Dad, you the man. Well, no, the last about thing time is, you contributed to this podcast. About time. Well, thank you. But the last, the, the one you talked about, Carolina, I think they're, <laughs> I would say, not great concern. But, you know, listen, once again, it, Cam gets hurt. Can the team continue down the path that they're going, which right. they were last year? Right. And I would say right now, no. Yeah, I'm with no. you. It's a concern I, to it's me. It's only two preseason games. But, again, I'm just judging the player, not the team. And I don't see it. Yeah, I'm so with you. I'm with we'll you. We'll see where it goes. All right, Good big to hear guy. your voice, man. You're the man. And the last thing is, Paul, you yes. big chicken. You, you said you were going to come up here this summer and throw and everything. And It's still yeah. summer. NBC's been killing him. He's he was all over the place. He was over in Europe for the whole month of July. So he, you know, he's just getting back in. He had to do the Tour de France. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, okay. Yeah. Is you the know, invite still there? You know what I say. Um, it's always there. Okay. Don't tell me about the pain. Just show just, me the baby. Okay. Just get it done. All right. And okay. the other one, one more time, Christopher. Yes. Because I heard your big boy on uh, the radio show the other day when you weren't there. Um, uh, uh, big Cat. Big Cat. Right. Yeah, I can never right. remember his nickname. Big Cat. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's, okay, he's Big Cat. There. He goes, you know, they have pelts on the wall. 
Now, what is it, son? It's pelts on a horse. Okay. Do you understand why? Yes, because, you know, if you're a fur trapper or anything like that, you'd put them on the horse, I guess. I don't That's know. That's right. Don't yeah. tell me you're a great fur trapper when I go out and look at your horse and there are no pelts on the horse. Thank you. My God, you guys beat it and say it wrong about once a week. Okay. <laughs> All, All right. right. I feel better. See, see you later. See you, Kentucky, All Phil. Right. See you, Phil. <laughs> see ya. I'm, I'm going to be in his kitchen drinking coffee soon. I think he's going to be, why is Paul here? Yeah, right. Because right. you challenged him. But, yeah, you'll challenge him, but then they would be like, oh, it's good you're here. Let's go out to the field. Oh, yeah. Come on, let's go right? throw. Yeah. Um, you know, we could have done a B-side on the Panthers, too. Yes. Just, just because we all talk about Cam Newton's shoulder. I will say this just real quick because we're going to get on to Josh Norris here. Yeah. The Panthers' supporting cast around Cam Newton, I believe, is the best he's ever had in his career. But you don't love the backup situation. I don't love the backup situation, but we still got Greg Olson at tight end. Mm -hmm. You got McCaffrey at running back. Ian Thomas, their backup tight end, had played real well last year. But then you get into the Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore conversation with a guy like Chris Hogan who might be able to do some things. I look at that and go, wow, that's pretty damn good. And the other thing I messed up on our B-side stuff, we talked about the Browns and the offensive line, you know, my offensive line yep. question. Yep. One of the great things the Browns did this offseason, too, is bring in James Campen, who was the offensive line coach of the Green Bay Packers. And that gives me hope for a group that I say is unproven commodity at this point. Yep. But, man, when you have a coach like that who's done what he did with Green Bay the last few years, pass protection-wise is one of the best O-line coaches of football. That gives me confidence that they'll get it done. I'm sorry. Now, two things, two yes. reads I got, okay? Yep. First, with the jerk, Mike Florio. <laughs> PFTPM podcast, all right? Anybody's, you got to check that out. Mike's getting great interviews. He had Drew Brees this week, talked about a lot of things, the biggest thing being how he got over last year's disappointment with the NFC Championship screw job, mm -hmm. right? And you know, other things, self-plug, check us out on PFT Live weekdays from 7 to 11 a.m. It's a pretty good show. That guy that's blonde is really smart, knows all the answers. <laughs> okay. Then there's the Peter King podcast. Peter's still on training camp. I don't know. He doesn't like his wife or his home or I don't know what it is, so he decided to leave forever. He's I'm just out. joking. I know. I know he does. But either way, he's got this week Jason Witten, okay, and they discuss his up-and-down year on Monday Night Football. Mm -hmm. And Jason Witten's been very honest about it, too, and how he's handled the criticism and all that. And then he talks to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has a permanent shamrock up his ass. Wherever he goes, yep. he has a chance to start. doesn't matter who the starter is. So that'll be good, but always check that out. Peter King Training Camp Tour. There's a two-part special coming up this week, too. Friday at 1 p.m., okay? And then Monday at 12 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. I think that's worth checking out, too. Peter's Training Camp Tour is... For me, a staple of NFL DNA as far as this time of the year. So there's my read. And now we have some fantasy football to get to with Josh Norris. All right. Now that's enough reality. Let's get into some <laughs> fantasy, okay? And when Great I say fantasy, I think Josh Norris. Of course. Let me tell you. Everyone does. And he looks so sexy. He came in with a sweater today, and oh he gosh. changed his shirt. Yeah, I'm blowing you he up. He has a well-pressed like, shirt. Like, it's neatly My gosh, guys. I watched him come in with a sweater. It's 90 out. I wanted to be like, what this whole like This is the only show in the Peacock Union yeah. that you're able to dress down. And I have not <laughs> been able to figure this part out. Like, I even brought a T-shirt with me. Come oh. On. And But maybe I should put it on over this. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Why? Because I'm... 
T-shirt to me is like out walking my dog when I get home at like seven yeah. o'clock at night. Yeah. Like I, it's tough for me so just do, to. So do you lose respect this for this? Side He's of the basically table? saying you're a dog no, walker no, no, right no. now. You're a dog walker. Now. Actually, Paul, this is <laughs> funny. I was sitting at my desk with a few, you know, important people over there, and we yeah. were just talking about how cool you are, Paul. Oh, like geez. leaning back, he is cool. no, jeans, man. like low socks, no, I know. just so a little cool. bit of skin showing. I know. I can never pull. He made all that up. He this made is it me. He knows how to kiss ass. This is me. We see that. Yes. You are that quick-minded. Where that all just came out. Of course. Next time you're not allowed to come on here with a collared shirt. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Unless you're buttoned all the way up. Or if you go buttoned all the way up. I can't. I, I'll take seeing you in a tank top, too, if you want to do that. Show the <laughs> no, guns. At least them. a shirt that's not ironed. If if you think this is pale, yeah. like, just think of what the rest is. Right. There's your fantasy. Well, I want you to show off your neck and your <laughs> traps. you got an impressive neck and trap. i got to have posture for that, Frank. Okay. All right. All right. So, seriously, let's get into some fantasy football. Sure. All right. Tell me, you know, I'm still a beginner. First off, everybody should check out the Roto World Just Do It with Josh podcast, right? Uh, am I saying that right? No, you're no. not. That's not even close. <laughs> it's the Roto World football podcast, but especially the one that Chris was on last week. We had a full live Did draft. Did he screw it up? I mean, it wasn't yeah. even close to what he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was great. But we had a full 16-round PPR draft last week. Chris was on the side set with Matt Straub. Yes. We had myself, John Daigle, Roto Pat, Scott Pianowski, Andy Barons. I great. think you had was a good time. One? I was did. Your first? My first time ever being part of a fantasy. Did you prep for it? No, not at all. Not even a little. No, I just went total because they came to me. They told me they're going to come to me after each round. And Did you have a chart? What jumps out to you? It was they behind had us. this amazing setup in the studio in there. Professional, the draft I might board. say. I learned yeah. a lot. I yeah. really did. It really was interesting. First of all, there's this guy's like recall of players yeah. and stuff like that. It's like mine, so I respect that. But then there are little nuances about how they go drafting and things, which I've never done fantasy football. I found really cool. So. Yeah. Roto World, Josh Norris, pay attention to him. And we got your magazine. Oh, what the hell is your you podcast go. name? The Roto World Football Podcast. It's really difficult. Damn. Yeah. Super difficult. Someone yeah. said just do it with Josh. Maybe nope. they were trying to mess with me. Roto Maybe World. that's a future show that I don't even know about yeah, yet. Just that do happens it, around here, too. The yeah, R and the W in the same word, it doesn't come out easy all the time. No. Roto World. Oh, trust me. Kristen Coleman knows that I just mush them together. Yeah. I'm awful at that. But if now is the time for everyone's drafts, you know, yeah, this weekend, right. Labor Day right. coming up. And so really, if you want to win your league, just download the football podcast. OK, cool. All right. So you've seen two two weeks of preseason football. Yeah. Right. Um, Who do you have to have in your draft? Like yeah. You're walking out with these two or three guys, no matter what. The first one, and this is an obvious name, but it's Nick Chubb. And okay. he's going right now is around the running back 8, 15 overall. So right around that second round turn. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if he finishes in that top five running back group. And the top three is set. It's Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. Right. Um, Ezekiel Elliott I would put up there if there's a contract situation yeah. happening. But right now as that stands. Right. If David Johnson. If I have Johnson, a pick, yeah, pick back to Chubb late first round. Yeah. Is he worth a first-round pick? To me, he is. And I'm a little bit more confident in Nick Chubb than I am a Le'Veon Bell, yeah. than I am a James Conner in some right. situations. Okay. And that's kind of me shooting for the fences. And I think throughout the theme of this entire conversation, you're going to see that I want to hit home runs with fantasy picks. Right. I also think Nick I Chubb's – I like Nick Chubb, though. I like and he's a little saying. bit of a discount right now because people are thinking in the back of their head, okay, Kareem Odell, Hunt's Baker, coming back. Jarvis, and Kareem Hunt's coming that, back in week 10. Right, right. It doesn't matter. By the time that Kareem Hunt comes back – Nick Chubb might have 1,000 yards, yeah. right? and he might have won you five, six, seven weeks of your fantasy season. Agreed. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm hot on, on Chubb, too, in reality, not even in fantasy, but I'm, I'm hot reality. on him. Yeah. Chris Carson's another Chubb one. gives he, me a Chubb. You, uh, I knew you, that. <laughs> you knew it. That's why you I even tried it. to go past that. Did you see that? <laughs> I cut myself off. I said, I knew that was back, yes, it, yeah. stuck there. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I know you guys talked about the Seattle backfield a little bit last time. Yeah. Um, and earlier today, Chris Carson is someone I'm absolutely exiting with. 
Um, Rashad Penny, I think the only reason why there's any positivity around him right now is because he went in the first Yeah, it's, it looks that way. And Chris Carson was someone that last year finished as a top five rusher. He's going as the running back 21 right now. 146 touches still on the table. He's someone that 21? I am. 21? Isn't that wild? Yes. Isn't that wild? I think yes. a 20 running backs that should go before. No way. I, especially with a team that likes to run the football. But the, the issue with that is yeah. a lot of times the 18, 16 running backs ahead of him have locked in workloads. Like they're going to get 200 and 250 touches. And people see that Rashad Penny in the same backfield and say, right. okay, he's going to have more of a, a sophomore push. Right. I don't think that's the case at all. I think this is a team that rewards good play. Mm -hmm. And Chris Carson is far superior to Rashad Penny right now. I agree. I, and I really, I was expecting things. I know I even told you, I thought this would be a year Rashad Penny would assert himself. I was wrong. Because you, you've been hot on Chris Carson since before the season started. So uh, kudos to you there. You want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Mark Ingram's another one. I mean, this is a team with the Baltimore Ravens that will probably lead the league in rushing. Yeah. And rushing attempts. Right. And maybe half of those go to the quarterback. And that's great. That's another backs too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but that's another one. I mean, Lamar Jackson is going as the quarterback 16 right now. Right. This is another reason why in our last conversation I talked about waiting at the quarterback position. Yeah. But there's something called stacking in fantasy football. You know, a lot of times people want to diversify their portfolio with mm -hmm. getting players from different teams. Why not, if you really believe in an offense, why not just get the best players on that team? So Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram having that combination, that's all the rushing totals. And even a Justice Hill later on, is that's an absolutely a team that I want to invest in. That, that, I, that's one thing I learned about the fantasy in, in a little bit is not always investing in the actual player, but investing in the team and the offensive sure. coordinator should go into that. I thought that was a really good thought you guys brought up a number of times during uh, our, our Roto World. Uh, so last draft. time we, I was on this podcast, we talked about Arizona's offense. Yep. Yeah. How they were kind of hiding things. Right. Do you think the same thing can be said for the Ravens offensively too? Because... This is a full offseason now yeah. that Greg Roman has yeah. to plan a rushing attack. Right. I mean, we could see 10, 20, 30 different styles of runs yes. and different formation and right. personnel groupings. I have more faith that they're hiding more than the Cardinals are hiding. i got to see it. what the Cardinals are hiding first yeah. because I don't know what they're going to be hiding because Cliff Kingsbury has been a part of one offense his whole life. So I, I, I'm interested to see that, but I'm more with you with the, the Ravens thought. Yeah. Everybody's uh, avoiding with uh, showing things or playing good players. It's yeah. just a, four weeks of avoidance with the preseason. For sure. So, And Justice Hill is a name, and really these late-round rookie running backs uh -huh. that go in the double digits. I mean, I have a list of them. Um, you have Justice Hill. You have Tony Pollard, Darwin Thompson, Alexander Madison. These are all running backs that are 55 or later. Right. But a real edge when you get to fantasy football is to get ahead of the curve on these rookie runners because no one knows anything about them, and they can really win you your entire season. Right. And Justice Hill has some skills yes. that can be an Alvin Kamara-type player sure. to Mark Ingram's Mark Ingram. Sure. The issue with that is it's not like Drew Brees is at the helm. Right. It's not like Sean Payton's calling the plays. Right. So who knows how much of an impact he can make. Valid but again, point. he's basically free, is how we call it, at running back 52 right now. We started the show with uh, B-side themes. So the B-side of players I'm exiting my draft with yeah. is who, who are you avoiding? Players to avoid. Well, we started this conversation by me saying I'm a nice guy. So let me first We're avoiding say, you? <laughs> a lot of people do. Uh, let me say that I don't hate any of these players in a right situation, how they fell to me. I would probably want all of them on my team. They're just going too early for me right now. And the first one is Zach Ertz at tight end three. Surprised okay. to see his name on this For list. sure. And it's not because he's not going to be productive. He's going to be super productive. But last year he had 44 targets more than a previous career high. 
38 receptions, like 400 and, excuse me, yeah, 400 more yards than he previously had before that. Last year, he had, let me find this, 156 targets. Nelson Aguilar had 97. Yeah. They were the only two receiving options on that team that played all 16 games. So right. you would like him on your team if you got him in what round? Probably round three, but right okay. now he's going 29 overall. Wow. Um, so maybe even round four, I would take him. Huh. Um, he's going as a tight end three. And I, I think that the clear tier above him is Travis Kelsey, is George Kittle. Right. But we talk about... Now you have Deshaun Jackson. Uh-huh. Now you have Alshon Jeffrey. Right. Now you have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Now, right. to me, you have maybe... Mac Collins, who was hurt last year, who I think could be Maybe a something. top seven tight end talent in yeah. Dallas Goddard as well on the right. team. Right. There's just not going to be as funneled of targets towards Zach Ertz's direction. Right. And because of that, there's just going to be natural regression for him. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I, I would see that, too. So last year was a little bit more of an outlier. Injuries, everything played into some of his production. Everything. Yeah. All right, so give me some other ones that just don't so far here through preseason that... You've soured on where you kind of went into the year going, I like it, and I'm not liking what I see right now. I mean, everyone was amped about the Cleveland Browns, yeah. basically mm-hmm. trying to exit a draft with as many Cleveland Browns as they could. Right. I'm out, and Jarvis Landry is wide receiver 28, okay. 62 overall. I mean, I can ask you both this question. When was the last time Jarvis Landry did not lead his team in targets? Ooh, last time. I mean, I don't think that's ever happened in this yeah, NFL It was just career, his rookie right? year. Yeah, okay. It was his rookie year, and it was right. Mike Wallace. Right. He still had 112 targets Holy at that crap. time. Holy crap, yeah. Um, in 2018, Jarvis Landry had 150 targets. The next closest was David Njoku at 88. Yeah. And you go down the list, and it's like 60, 50 in terms of the gap between the top target getter, and then well, which is Jarvis Landry, versus the next. We would be shocked, stunned. If Odell Beckham did not lead this team in targets, yeah. right. correct? Right, right. So because of that, like, what is Jarvis Landry? He's not going to have that vertical ability that he showed last year, or that usage that he showed last year. Yeah, he might even be third. I totally agree. Joku, right? I mean, yeah. Nick Chubb. They're talking about him in the passing game more. I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I, I'm with you yeah. here. And Richard Higgins Richard is a talented Higgins, player as Jaylen well. Jalen Strong's been kind of showing himself out there. Yeah. So he again, wide receiver 28. There's a lot of names coming after him that you know might be. Um, home run shots and like a Robbie Anderson and a Will Fuller. But I think it's totally fine to take those types when you're weak and not have that kind of consistency that you get from Jarvis Landry because that's what he is. Yeah. He's like an average depth of target of five, six, seven yards. You can always find a Trey Quinn. You can always find a Cole Beasley. Right. You've talked about an right. Adam Humphreys right. and fill that need in your roster yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. Give me one more. Last one and then I'm, I've had enough He's of into you. it now. I'm kicking, <laughs> I'm one draft. Okay. Got him. Yeah. One more. Derrick Henry. Okay. Derrick Henry is going as running back 20 right now. Right. I think we've all forgotten how much of a headache Derrick Henry is. Yeah. Completely. He erased because, our memory at the end of the year. Yeah. Those yeah. final four games, he was outstanding. He was seeing like 22 carries, one reception per game, over 140 rushing yards. Prior to that, he averaged 11 carries per game, 40 yards per game, and one catch per game. Wow. Yeah. We don't also know what this offense is With going Smith, to be. Right. As a it's new OC. Possibly different. Derrick Henry's also missed a ton of training camp. And as running back 20, you, in many cases, might take him as your lead ball carrier because of wide receivers you might load up on, tight ends you might load up on. I think the fantasy community and maybe people at this table are forgetting how much of a headache Derrick Henry has been. Yeah, I get you. You're right. I mean, we definitely are. What do you expect from the Titans this year? uh, um, I kind of liked a little bit what I've seen from the Arthur Smith offense to this point. Yeah. But I would say they're one of like the question marks in football for me because I'm not really sure what they are. I don't know. Because I mean, defensive line, okay, there's a lot of solid there. They're not going to get production out of the kid they drafted in the first round, Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State. Do they have enough difference makers up front? 
And then What's I'm the still, quarterback going to do? I don't have enough faith in the quarterback yet. He's going to have to prove me to prove it to me to, before I believe it. Which is massive. And, you know, some people might say, well, you're talking up Damian Williams and not talking about Derrick Henry. Right. Okay. One's attached to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. One's attached to the Tennessee Titans. Exactly right. And the Titans have Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Right. They're getting back to Laney Walker, which takes targets away. They brought in Adam Humphreys, takes targets away, close line of scrimmage. And A.J. Brown might be the same type of player. It's yeah. really smart right. info. But if you come back, it's got to be untucked. Oh, my gosh. Not ironed. No collar. Something. Guys, something. If, I, if I come back, can I actually get a microphone? Uh, no. <laughs> the microphone actually. It kind of loses the aesthetic of the whole thing, you know, without a microphone in front of my it's, face. It's not functioning. Hello. I find myself talking toward it, and it, it doesn't matter because no. the mic's right here. I talk about it. All, I go into it all the Why time. Why do I lean in and address I you I do right it here? all the time. Yeah. I'm always like, um, yep. And then I, but <laughs> We'll share one next time. Yeah, one time. Okay, we'll do that. I can, or I can just like share. hold all it right. up to you. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we'll still be able to hear you no matter what. It'll just be felt like a little dig was necessary. No, uh, well please. I dig... I take these digs at our own people all the yeah, time. Sure. I want a real damn mic that's hooked right. up. Okay? That's I, know, I, I know. And I want earmuffs. I want the earmuffs. full podcast Paul look. Headphones. Draft. Yes, headphones are Which called. draft? Aren't you doing one with your son? I did. We did it. I, uh, I, I did advise him to take Carson at running back, and he got him. He felt okay, very yeah. happy about that, and I thought, that tip from Josh better work because uh -oh. he will come back to me if it doesn't work and be like, Dad, you texted me in the middle of the draft. And said, take this guy. So, you're well done. Fired. Yeah. The man. See you guys. Yeah. Good to so see much. you. Check yeah. out Josh. Josh Norris all over everything. The Roto World podcast. Boom, you got I it. mean, this guy is phenomenal. Just do it with Josh on the Roto World <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, that's guys. it. We're done. You don't have to fold up. We're going to say goodbye. Yeah. We can't. I can't talk anymore. I've had enough. All right. Talk into the mic. So, Hope we are done, everybody. We are done. <laughs> um, but, okay, next week, I'm hoping to get on a normal schedule of Big Phil Sims on a Tuesday. Okay, hopefully his schedule will calm down. You're in Tuesday. next Tuesday, yes. right? We got a back-to-back, -back, a doubleheader with Paulie Big Meister. Yeah. And, um, yes, we're going to continue to follow football, and it's going to be a good weekend because at least we got preseason game number three where we might see some real action, some Mike. starters, all Mike. that. And you can count on me breaking down some real football stuff on that Tuesday podcast. Everybody have a good weekend out there. Be good. Be safe. Peace out. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.